welcome to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. I'm Sophie Venable, psychologist, life coach, mother of two, and author of MILF 101, Make Your Life Fabulous. Whether you're married with children, single, divorced, or somehow all of the above, I am talking to you about life, relationships, and of course, whenever possible, sex. Um, Has your man been a little moody lately? That would be my question to you. Is he looking at sports cars? Is he talking about a new career? Keep listening. My guest today is 50-something. And I know that seems a little rude to mention his age. <laughs> I can't believe you just weren't more specific. I know. Well, you know. Well, it's relevant. There. You're 50. He is 55, 55. And looking good. Looking good. Okay. Um, this makes him, by his own definition, a midman. So today's show is for the midmen out there and the women who love them. He's a very entertaining fella. The king of tangential humor, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be easy to follow. Uh Yeah, totally. Just stay on your toes, people. Uh, He's written a book for you called Mid Men, The Modern Man's Guide to Surviving Midlife Crisis, available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon and also Barnes & Noble. He's going to explain to us a few things that we might want to know about Mid Men to help us better understand each other. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Steve Altier! It's nice to be applauded just for being Steve Oaks, right? It's nice to applaud myself. <laughs> Congratulations on your book. Thank you. Is uh, It is hilarious and helpful. Thank you. This is what I like about it. So what was your inspiration? Uh, seriously? <laughs> well, um, you know. well, I had a really gigantic midlife crisis. Now it's been a few years ago. I, you can get past a midlife crisis, and I'd like to think that I have. I have other crises, of course, so, to entertain me. So when you so so you would consider it a crisis, like something that you can you can go in and out of. It's not like once you turn a certain age, you're just in crisis forever. Oh no, that's, no, that's no, what I, you're trying to help avoid. I don't think it's any any more permanent than than you know. Uh, the crisis of turning 18 or the crisis of turning 30. Uh, like they're, they're talking about quarter-life crisis now, and I think that's a legitimate crisis. So I think, I think there, are, there are several crises uh, uh, or these, these sort of hurdles that we'll have to clear over the course of our lives, yeah. and, and this is one of them. And I do think you, cle- you can clear it. You can clear it. It doesn't necessarily mean you will. You might have been nuts going in. You might be nuts coming out. It might be a different kind of nuts for a little while. Right, but if but if you read this book, you might actually be able to navigate your way through it a little better. In fact, unless right? you read this book, you can't. Okay, it's a requirement. Isn't then. that sad? Yeah. yeah. Thank God I wrote this thing. Thank God. Yeah. So um, I want to say because I, I appreciate that you're also explaining to your male audience that uh, their wives of a similar age are also going through quite a shitstorm from Mother Nature. Probably a, a worse shitstorm than ours. Well, I actually. wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad that yeah. you did. No, I believe know, it but... is. A, <laughs> Honestly, ours, ours is nothing compared to our wives or our significant others or females in general. It is this this other side of mortality. It's it's kind of like nature's done with you. You're done making babies, so it just starts to turn shit off. It's just like the switches start to go off, and, yeah. and you just you do everything you can to keep them on. Yeah, it's and, work. and I think the impact on on women is probably more physically intrusive than it is for men. We have a couple of things happen. You know, we we, we do some things more often, some things less often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Things that we may talk about. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But with women, there's, there is beyond just the physical, which is mm-hmm. significant. Yeah. There is also societal, which I think for women is even more, not that it's insignificant for men, but probably more significant for women. 
Yeah, you mean it just in our value that we are, we come devalued. The how we how get. we see yes. them, and this is this is a very I think this is probably a very American point of view. I think sure. I think this would be a different conversation in France, uh, for specifically for women, but but here in America, yeah, that's and a lot of Western the world, the Western world, yeah. Well, let's let's start with that topic about men as well, because you were you um, were saying that in many ways, men at this age start to feel too that they become invisible to society. So it, tell us a little almost, bit more about that. It's almost worse than being invisible actually. We I, I think we're, we're unfortunately we can't hide in plain sight. I had an experience I was in Urban Outfitters, and there was a, a young woman working behind them. I'm just using this in as an illustration because sure. it probably happens five times a day. And there's a young woman working behind the counter, and she is uh, uh, sexy. She's overtly sexy. She's mm-hmm. she is dressed to be sexy. She is uh, feeling the full flower She's of working her sex. It. She's sexy. Yeah. And and I'm 55. So she's young and sexy, and I'm 55. She knows she's young and sexy, and she knows I'm a man. And and she knows I'm 55 or whatever age she assumes me to be. I'm old, too old for her is the age I am. Okay. And I felt I felt dirty just being there. <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything wrong. Right. I was just making a purchase. I was buying a shirt. And uh, uh, for her, no. For, <laughs> <laughs> with a little note tucked in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Not inappropriate at all. No, no, certainly not. Yeah. A little phone number. Then. Right. Uh, no, seriously, though, I was so just you making can't, a purchase. You, yeah, you can't turn off the fact uh, until the day you die that young, beautiful women are beautiful women. Like, that, there's nothing you can do about that. But the worst thing is that they know that we can't turn that off. That's the, that's the hard do, part do, of this. Do you, think that, okay, do you think that they actually put a lot of thought into that? Or do you, I mean, do, what do you mean that they know it? You can it? tell that, by the way they don't look at us. There's a, there's a line in, in the oh, book. Oh, sort of like, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to attract your attention that's, because I, I don't e- want to attract your attention. I can't yeah. even make eye contact with you because I know that I have the power to destroy your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're so vulnerable, you men. But You're it's so, true. but no, I, I get it. But I think that we forget that our men. I shouldn't say that. I, I don't think everybody forgets. I think that some women really fear this part of their partner's psyche, and I think to some degree we just have to accept and sort of celebrate the fact that you're always going to find a beautiful woman beautiful. Like, I mean, if that turns off, that means you're probably there's probably something wrong I don't on think some level. I don't think it's a question of the acknowledgement, uh, the aesthetic acknowledgement of beauty. I don't. I think it's well, well beyond that. Let's talk about okay. Then intersexy. You're not going to ever be non-responsive to that which is on any level attractive. Okay, because it could, like you said, I mean, maybe on some people's scale, somebody might be less classically beautiful than other. But people, people have an inner sexiness or an inner vibe that they give off right. and you as a man you would have to like shut down part of you to not be affected by that that's am right. i correct that's, that's okay. right and and women are innately aware of that and people vibe you know you have people have like gaydar yeah well, there's yeah. also straight r you know what i mean <laughs> so so if, if you're looking at a beautiful young woman and you're a straight guy the world knows right you know what I mean? the universe Tells the story. Yes. There's there's a line. Uh, uh, you know you're a midman when. There's like a little list. Yes. It's almost like a uh, Jeff Foxworthy kind of thing. You know you're a midman when in the book, and one of them is uh, you can't stop looking at young women who can't stop not giving a shit, and and that's that's kind of that's kind of what happens. And they have there's a defense mechanism they put in place where yes they will not 
even acknowledge your humanness. Forget your madness. They have they can't even go as as far as to engage with your humanness because your madness is so easily activated. Is it is it fair to say that you feel a little like you're put in a creep category, even if you're not creeping? Yes. But, yeah. Yes, I am by definition. It, it's it's yeah. uh, profiling. <laughs> well, damn it! <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> and, and it's and frankly, it's fairly legitimate and not you know it has some accuracy. Because it is the truth. I, I, well, you know, in, in, in the spirit, yeah. of, in the spirit of confession, I will say, I was. She's, you were thinking she was hot. Absolutely. Yeah. So for her to go, oh Christ, this old this old guy thinks I'm hot. Right. Well, she's right. Well, I guess it would be nice if she could just sort of, you know, just say like thanks. Or not, right. well, not, no, not say no, it. I don't mean say it. Just but, be. You know, but just be. She and, can enjoy and it. I can enjoy. Enjoy it, the leave. fact that that's the vibe you're putting off today. And yeah. enjoy that it's received. And and this is, you know, something I call the man-woman dance. You know, okay. like I, I think it's part of the the dance that it would be nice if in our culture we could do this and feel safer. And I don't even mean that there would actually be a verbal I flirtation. Totally get you. I, I totally just get mean you. that we could all just acknowledge, well, yes, we, we are sexual beings. And, and even if it's not sexual, sometimes you just find somebody attractive. Yep. You know, like they give off a vibe that you just want to know. Right. But it doesn't and mean you're going to sell your house and run off with exactly. them. Exactly. And it, right. yeah, it doesn't mean you're, yeah, you're not going to like necessarily slip them your hotel key. Which is why I say this would be a different conversation in France. And I'm uh, not joking. Because, no, okay. Because in France, women, not only, uh, it, it would be a different conversation even about age. Everything would be different. Sure. The whole dynamic of this conversation, because there is a self-possession that women seem to have over there, and I guess I'm, I'm profiling, but there's a self-possession that women seem to have over there where they're not afraid to be beautiful women, and they're not disturbed by men knowing that. Right. They and just embrace their femininity. It's all good. It is what it is. It's all good yeah. at any age. Right. It's all good. Which is lovely. So it's a very different culture. And, and uh, however, this, this show is uh, uh, not broadcast there. So this is a conversation about America. <laughs> well, it could be. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, if you're in France, très bon. So on the flip side of it, you also talk about decreased libido. Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about this and what this means. Well, because, because – well, okay. You mentioned a few things. You mentioned yeah. actually in some cases how the woman's libido is going up. But we're going we're gonna to talk about that later. But um, One of God's little tricks. Yes. However but, – but it becomes more complicated, right? So – but all that's right, again, right. that's another that's another show. So the sports car, the young girl, the the things mm-hmm. like this, is that the adrenaline that sparks the libido? What what's all this about? What is the does it freak you out that your libido is lower or well, what's this what is this experience like for you guys? I think those are two different issues. Okay. I think the lessening libido in the sports car and the and the young woman are 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 well, the sports car and the young woman are the same issue, but, okay. but when you add libido to it, it is a different issue. So, what should we understand about our men around this? Well, in the case in the case of a lowered libido, that that's a fact of life. It's it's anatomical fact of life. It's the way it is. Where we are we are reducing our and and by the way, I outline the whole thing in the book. Literally, I go into the chemistry of it. That that in both cases, it deals with. The male hormones, mm-hmm. yeah, where men are losing male hormones and women are actually gaining male hormones. So sex right. drive is directly related to that in both cases. Yeah, you have your proteins, testosterone. It's testosterone. Yeah. So your proteins are changing, and you're and you're supplementing yourself with more testosterone, and that's why women are becoming, as they get older, they're becoming more sexually interested because they're having a raised level of testosterone and an occasional chin hair and an occasional just chin. Saying. That's just part of the game, and. 
Conversely, men are reducing their testosterone and therefore their libidos are, are dropping. So it is chemical in both, right. in both cases. Which makes it less personal. Well, that's when right. you understand if that. If you can acknowledge that. Right. But to go to the car and the chick, the car and the chick is not, is not about sex specifically, in, in my opinion. Okay. The car and the chick is about self-image. You are not the man you once were. The sports car still is a sports car and the chick is still a chick. So you want to associate with things that are permanently or currently youthful if you are not feeling currently youthful. So you see the guy in his 60s driving the vet. All the time. Right. He's driving that vet because people are more likely to look at the vet's ass than his. He's trying to, you know, so he's putting on. I thought it was because he could finally afford it. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a, it's a confluence of events, right? Right. Uh, because, because it is a, a shitstorm of events, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah. And by the way, not everybody who drives that vet can afford it. I try to point That's that out true. also. That's true. That is you know, true. People yes. do ruin themselves for those things. So it's yeah. not necessarily a question of convenience. Now, now I can finally get my vet. I have friends who. Plenty have that. of people yeah. are driving cars they can't afford. Right. right. Uh, but I have guys who are in midlife crisis who have been saving their whole lives, and they're and they're actually ready to buy their midlife vet. You know what I mean? Oh. They, which is interesting. It's very it's very upfront. Right. But the truth of the midlife vet, in my opinion, is all about self esteem. It has nothing to do with driving faster, mm-hmm. certainly, and better handling. I don't think those are the issues that it's the guys like another for. mirror to see you through. Oh, another right. set of another lens to see you. That's through. right. I am no longer me with a pot belly walking around uh, in clothing that is dated. I am now me in a hot car. I am now mm-hmm. me with a hot chick. And people do make assumptions. I mean, they do project qualities onto you based on your car. Yeah, they do. If, I'm not yeah, saying if, it's right, but they do. If you're over 50 and you're in a vet, what's the quality they apply? Well. <laughs> you know what they're saying? Yeah. Midlife There's a guy crisis. With a midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So at a certain point, you're not fooling anybody but yourself. However, that's the whole idea. Is to However, yourself. should you meet that person and talk to them and they're comfortable in their skin and you realize they're just driving a car they like because they can – and that, you know, then that opinion can change yes. because it's all about being comfortable in your skin, right? Yeah, I guess. I, I have a thing about the trappings of prestige anyway. Well, sure. Uh, beyond age, beyond midlife crisis, in general, people who form their appearance to the world, the facade that they present to the world through the accumulation and display of wealth or items or whatever that, you know what, if you're new agey, you don't even have to be, it's a costume. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's all costumes. Yeah. So if your costume is designer stuff and hot sports cars, you're projecting some, you're trying very hard at a very high price Mm -hmm. to project a certain image to the world, you know? Yeah. So it's a question of of what image do you want to project to the world? Personally, this is me speaking Mm -hmm. for myself. I'd rather project the image of somebody who cares about animals and the earth and, you know, and my physical health. That's right. If the world's going to look at me, I'd rather look like I did yoga than like I went to a car dealership. And you talk a lot about physical health in this book, right? We're going to walk away with lots of information about how you can not stop the aging process, but Uh maybe slow it down a bit. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not averse to, to using, you know, over the counter formulas and things. And, you know, like I did yesterday, I did, uh, there's a brand called Jack Black that meant a different Jack Black, not the Tenacious D dude, but that makes like a a chem peel. That's like, looks like a little Stridex pad. You use it a couple of times a week and like, your skin does look nice. Does it honestly? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently it works. I wish you could see this guy's skin. (laughs) But apparently, apparently it works. So, so, 
I do I do all that kind of crap. And, right. You know, I make sure I get some sun, so I have a little color, and I make mm-hmm. sure I exercise, and I I'm a vegetarian, so I or pescatarian, so I, I I tend to eat very well. And one of the things that I got out of my midlife crisis, just to circle back on midlife crisis, mm-hmm. that that you have a choice. You can go self destructive. Right. You can go depressed. There's all sorts of. It's like a midlife crisis is like walking into a. a um, the Columbus Circle subway. Like, well, you've got so many choices of trains <laughs> that you can right. get on from there. So my choices were to determine that I am going to enjoy my waning years. <laughs> that right. as, as, I, as, as I say in the book, you know, uh, midlife crisis is when you, uh, you stop counting up and you start counting down. And so if I'm going to ca- count down, I want to make sure that this particular vessel, this body, mm-hmm. is going to get me to the finish line in pretty good shape. So what do you think, because you have this convergence of, if, especially if you have couples of, of similar age, right? You've got uh-huh. this convergence of moodiness in the house, right? You've got whatever uh, we she's... We haven't had that. We haven't had whatever, that. No, no, not at all? Not even a little bit? No, not no, really. No, perimenopause, that kind of thing? Yeah, no. Not, no, not my house. <laughs> so you've got... You got the perimenopause, and you've got oh, the yeah. you know per- perimortality. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, totally. And, well, well said. Okay, and what do you think is the best advice for just sort of dealing with, you know, acknowledging your man's also in that place? I believe the wise man once said, "Discretion is the better part of valor." It's not necessarily a, t- a question of choosing your battles; it's a question of when you choose to fight them. Your adversary. Let's just use that term for lack of a better term, your adversary in one of these situations where somebody is is melting down or, or, or having a chemical thing that's taking place that might be altering their general uh, uh, bon humeur, that's probably not the best time to point that out to them, right? So, right, so, okay. So if there's, if there's a chemical... How, how do we know, though? Like, chemical, I mean, you know, like, if, if you seem like you're quake. just bitching about the, the almond milk or whatever, except, how except do you know? Except the blanket understanding. Oh, get, a, okay. get a bigger understanding. Know that you are in this period, right? So, okay. So if you're, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're walking through a rising tide and you get hit by a wave, you don't blame the wave. You just go, oh, that's right. I was walking through a rising tide. Okay. Right? So, right. so acknowledge where you are in the larger sense so that when the wave hits you, you go, right, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm walking through a rising tide. So let's just all give each other the benefit of the doubt, right? I, did, I didn't mean I to suggest that, actually. Yeah. Believe it or not, I didn't mean to suggest really? that. No, because, because there, I, again, there's a lot in the book about uh, mm-hmm. something I call controlling your radius. And mm-hmm. controlling ra- your radius means that you're, you are proactively creating an environment where you can have your crisis in peace and, <laughs> and, and, and find and find the things that actually mean something to you so you can pursue those and, and see your way through this and come out the other side of it with a sense of purpose and, and, a, and a joy of life. So how do you do that if you are locked in a, a house with, in my case, I don't have kids, you have kids, uh-huh. um, so that's its own thing. Right. Uh, but but if you're locked in a house with somebody who's who's perimenopausal, well, you're also crazy, and you're trying to establish this world where you can excel and mm-hmm. and flourish and smile occasionally and have a nice time. You have to you have to control that radius. So one way to do that is if your partner or whomever, if the kids are melting down, whatever mm-hmm. whatever your particular radius happens, your immediate radius. And by the way, your radius could be the supermarket. You know, right. it's not only in the house. You you bring your radius wherever you go. It's yeah. still your surrounding area. You have to – how do I say this? You have to exercise judgment on an ongoing basis on how to properly, continually change that radius to your benefit. So if my wife is having a chemically induced problem, mm-hmm. number one, I have to have the clarity of mind to acknowledge the difference between 
a chemically induced problem and a legitimate problem. Two, I can't really dismiss either. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the legitimate is a it doesn't matter. total judgment call. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter because <laughs> anyway. it's all legitimate, really. Well, when, well, you, when the, you know, as far as processing with each other and, and keeping things the interaction safe. is the interaction is actually occurring, right? But it doesn't make the complaint legitimate, but, right? Yeah. Or it could be. This is one of my favorite old sayings: "Is just because I'm having my period doesn't mean you're not an asshole." There you go. Right. So, <laughs> so, so there is that too. But on right. the other hand, just because I'm having a midlife crisis doesn't mean you're not squashing me. Right. Exactly. But I may not be. That's right. so I have to figure yeah. out: Am I in this instance squashing you during your midlife right. crisis? Or but not? it's all grist for the mill. It's all worth talking about and becoming closer and more intimate. Or not talking about the, where I was going was oh. it, sometimes it's worth not talking about. So, so if I'm I think that's if fair. I'm having a particular if I, I'm hypoglycemic. I don't mean right now. I just had a sandwich. But I, I mean in general, I, yeah. I, I have low blood sugar. When I get really low blood sugar, I become an asshole. And, and it's almost like a form of insanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, My daughter's ve- this way. Actually. Okay. Well, it's very yeah. much like perimenopause because it can come out of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. insidious. I may, it might occur and I didn't even know I was hungry. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm a douche. So the same thing happens in perimenopause. Somebody's just walking through her life mm-hmm. and, and her chemicals you know, come up behind her and smack her in the back of the head like a prank. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she's, she's not in a very good mood. So if I'm smart, I am looking at the situation. So if she's bitching about X, Y, or Z and I go, okay – I'm a sane person. I know that <laughs> this is a disproportionate reaction to mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Or yeah. maybe there is no X, Y, or Z, and I'm getting <laughs> shit on for it. So so I have to weigh that situation. And if it's a situation where I am aware that it is a chemical upheaval, yeah. discretion is the better part of valor. What I do is I acknowledge as if it were real. Mm-hmm. I keep the situation as calm as I possibly can. I weather the storm and get through it and get past it and try to put the whole thing to rest with as little, you know, rancor or discourse as possible. Mm -hmm. And then later, during a sane moment, I will say something to the effect of, we're going through this together. And what happened just now earlier was clearly something that that occurred because of the perimenopause. Right. Try to have the mantra be nice. Mm -hmm. Literally. I mean, that's a real conversation. And And that's what I meant by grist for the mill is that. Not in the moment, not in the tornado, but it can in that moment, like where you say we're going through this together. That right. that creates trust and intimacy and a deeper connection in your relationship because you were able right. to do damage control, That's right? right, and not take yeah take her to it's 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 being able to to identify whether or not the fire you're about to throw water on is actually a fire before you throw the water on. It. <laughs> You got that? Did everybody get that? Okay. I think you're going to have to read the book to clarify that, but that's good. That's good. So how do we find you? How do we find your book? Tell us more. Well, I'm right here. Well, yeah. I'm in the studio right now. So if you're looking for me, you need to look no further. I don't know if uh, midlifecrisisbook.com is launched yet or if, or if the link to Amazon is, but it will be within the next week or so. You're so definitely that, on Amazon. You I'm can definitely, definitely on Amazon. So if you go to Mid- Midmen, The Modern Man's Guide to Surviving Midlife Crisis, uh, and it's uh, my name is Steve Oaks, O-C-H-S, not mm-hmm. like the tree, more like the fill. So that's that's the way to find me. And you'll find the book on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com and uh, hopefully buy it. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. Oh, I love it. I'm going to um, – 
finish it completely before I do my review. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> all right. And you can find me on Facebook at Sophie Venable. And also, please like the MILF Talk page if you would be so kind. If you're on iTunes or SoundCloud right now, please click subscribe because that would help my cause. Be sure to download your free goal-setting workbook from my website, MakeYourLifeFabulous.com. And my book, MILF 101, is also available on Amazon. Thank you for listening. I've already put up my review of your Yes, book. thank you. You're thank welcome. you for being here and sure, thank you for thank listening. You. 